We are rocking and rolling. We are rocking and rolling. I'm getting the link, doing the traditional sort of we're alive, literally writing that. Okay. Oh, pardon me. Uh, good evening. Good evening. Good evening. We'll wait for some people to file in, but uh, so I don't bore podcast listeners. You're not watching the show, but this is the first show where I've got a green screen behind me, or more specifically, a blue screen. For some reason, blue made it easier to work. Is it? Looks like it's screening out the color of my eyes. I didn't think they were that blue, but that's cool. Um, good evening. Uh, very exciting technological leap forward. I feel like I'm a part of what? When? When would green? When would keying out colors come from? Maybe the. 60s ish 70s i have no idea if anyone knows if anyone knows just let me know because i'd be very very curious to know but i finally got it working um podcast listeners as well i'll go through the list of players tracked this week we got vladimir grudinin uh joachim kamel matthew Semenov, bo gelsma luca del belbaluz frank nazer owen beck jordan dumay seamus casey alexander suzdalev uh matthias shapovaliv I think Shapovalov, uh, Noah Osland, Nathan Gaucher, Daniela Yurov, Logan Cooley, and of course, the one and only Shane Wright. Uh, I was on the Locked on Sharks podcast the other night. You can go listen to that on their YouTube channel um, because YouTube is, uh, is the way to go. Um, you can also... Uh, what else is going on these days? The first scouting reports are done. Uh, so all patrons, uh, all patrons have access to the scouting reports. So you can go watch the first two. Uh, the third one is in production. The fourth one is being sent off. Uh, I should probably just send it tonight, but it'll be sent off shortly. So that's very exciting as well. Um, and then we're filming two more over the weekend. So there's going to be six by the end of next week, hopefully. Uh, and having an editor really, really helps. Um, so after about uh, three weeks of video production, we're going to be about just over a quarter of the way through all the videos of the year. So I might have to get a little creative and, and think of more to do if I keep going this quick. But that's for me to worry about. Um, thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate uh, letting me have it a week off last week. I spent a weekend in the woods with some friends. Played a lot of board games. Uh, highly recommend uh, board games uh, like Splendor. Um, highly recommend uh, we played... Um, yeah, played a lot of Splendor. Highly recommend Seven Wonders. Played a lot of rounds of that. Uh, we didn't get around to Sheriff of Nottingham, but we have it here. Uh, so the partner and I are going to try to learn how to play that this weekend. Um, Carcassonne was another one that came out, which was a lot of fun. Um, Forbidden Island was another one that we played, which was also really, really fun. Uh, it was a good time. Um, oh, thank you, Scott, for, for, the, old, for the old sub. Uh, but yeah. Um, that was my weekend and, uh, I'm feeling rejuvenated, feeling alive. It's a long weekend here in Canada for me. Tomorrow was Good Friday. Um, so I have a, 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 a just a single little adult, adult beverage here with me just for consumption over the next little while. Uh, and of course a glass of water because it's important to stay hydrated. Um, so yes, very excited about the scouting reports coming out, putting together another thing for the video team tomorrow with the other two guys, uh, on Simon Nemich. Uh, and there should be a piece on Emil Andre coming out soon. I don't know if that's coming out like tomorrow soon or sometime early next week, but it is coming. Um, 
but anyway, uh, thank you very much for joining me, and uh, let's start diving into some questions. Uh, favorite superhero? Oh, okay. Um, so I'm not huge into the superhero thing, uh, to be perfectly honest. I mean, growing up, I went to see Spider-Man in theaters, like the Tobey Maguire one, and that was pretty cool. Um, I was always, I was always interested in the Silver Surfer thing where, you know, he was basically Galactus's minion and when Galactus wanted to eat Earth, the Silver Surfer decided to become the protector of Earth. And I always dug the Silver Surfer. Um, what else? Um, hmm, it's a good question. Because, like, the Avengers, like, I don't know. I mean, I think Spider-Man's pretty neat. I don't know. Um, there's a few. <laughs> I don't know. There's too many superheroes to keep track of these days. Doctor Strange is pretty cool because I'm all about the surreal weirdness of the universe and stuff. And uh, that kind of dives into that. Um, but anyway, uh, I don't know. I'm not super familiar with all the superheroes, to be perfectly honest with you. I uh, didn't... I think the last superhero movie I watched was uh, Infinity War. And even then, it was like I barely even really knew what was happening. It was just nonstop action and insanity. So, I don't know. Um, and yes, Etienne, we've got a green screen. It's a blue screen, so... It's on brand. It's on brand, but yes, it is indeed a it is indeed a a, a blue screen, which is kind of neat. Uh, thoughts on Nick Blankenberg and his debut? I have been a big fan of Nick Blankenberg for years. Uh, ever since watching Owen Power with him as a pair mate, I honestly like again with Owen Power last year. Like the offense was there, and I'm glad he's leaning into it. I paid attention to when he was playing for Buffalo the other night and tried to keep an eye on 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 what he was doing. Um, and I, I, I always felt during his draft year, um, that Blankenberg was covering up for a lot of powers, defensive issues. And I was really thrilled to see him jump right into the NHL. That's Blankenberg. Um, I mean, power too, but Blankenberg, I mean, I only saw very brief glimpses. I haven't had time to go and watch his tape from that night, but I do want to, cause I'm really curious as to how his game translates to the NHL. But I mean, he got what, I think he had two points last night, uh, which is, pretty remarkable um so I, I don't know i'm a big fan of nick blankenberg i thought maddie beniers played great the other night too um and i caught some of his tape that i went back and watched owen power i haven't done that with but i paid pretty close attention to him when he was on the ice um in that game but yeah blankenberg i mean it's great to see him get a chance in the nhl i think more guys like him should get chances in the nhl and i hope that it works for him because i've always really really enjoyed watching him play uh for for michigan uh, am I excited for the U18s? I'm already watching the U18s, man. I've been watching uh, Division 1A tape for a while. Um, Norway, uh, Norway's in that tournament with Slovakia. I mean, Slovakia's going to win it. They're just throttling everybody. Japan's in there, and I've been watching some of the Japanese team. But for some reason, I could have sworn I saw Kenta Isogai on the roster before the tournament, and he's not playing. So I don't know what's going on there, but he was on that roster, at least according to Elite Prospects. So that's too bad, and that team is struggling. Um... Uh, but who else is in there? Kazakhstan is in there, but nah. There's a guy on Norway that I've kind of liked, Mats Olsen, uh, Mats Eskild Olsen, or Bakkild Olsen, or something like that. He's been pretty good when I've seen him. Um, but Slovakia is the team to beat in that tournament. But yes, I am very excited for the U18s. Uh, really, really excited. It's gonna, it's gonna be a hoot. Um, who do I think has the best chance of winning? I mean, the U18 states team is always 
devastatingly dangerous. Canada should have a good team. It depends on, it's so hard to tell because it depends on the CHL teams that make the playoffs and don't make the playoffs. Um, so that'll be interesting as well. Uh, Sweden, I think, I don't know. I don't know. Sweden might have an interesting team, but I don't think it quite matches up to the firepower that, that, that the U S has Finland. I don't really think is going to be that much of a threat this year. You know, a lot of countries like La- the countries like Latvia and Switzerland, I don't think are going to be much of a threat. So I think it's going to be the States uh, and Canada, maybe. I mean, without Russia, and I don't think Sweden's going to be much of a huge threat, um, nor will do I think Finland will. So the Czechs might show up and have some interesting players there, but I'm not, I don't, I don't think they can really keep up with the, with the States or, or Canada. Um, how do you think the Nye's Cooley Lucius line will do? If Cooley slides into Myers' spot next season, I mean that wouldn't be the worst thing. Um, I'm always wary of like projecting lines a year out in advance, but I mean I I think that if Cooley's the guy setting up Lucius and Nyes is sort of the high energy, high physicality winger that has skill as well, that could work symbiotically pretty well. So sure, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nick D. Sabella, can you compare Cooley's game to Frank Nazer uh, to Beniers? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm actually, can you give me one? I, I got, uh, I've had Invisalign over the last three months and this is the first time where I'm talking for a long time after having my brackets removed and I'm now under the retainers. Um, and my tongue is smacking up against the bottom of my retainer and it's kind of chafing it up. So I'm going to go under my desk and when I come back, my trays will be out of my mouth because this is really bugging me. One, one second. That's one. All right, that's much better. Whew, okay. Uh, where were we? Can you compare Cooley's game to Frank Nazer? Yes, I can. Ooh, my jaw feels weird. It's been, it's been months of talking with those in, and it's weird. Um, can I compare Cooley's game to Frank Nazer? Yeah. So Cooley, I think, is a more higher-octane, skilled offensive guy. Nazer is a, is a really smart and clever finisher. Like, to me, <clears throat> we got Logan Cooley's data up here, and we can compare it to Frank Nazer. Actually, I think I was doing that earlier today. Um, and in some areas, you get more out of Cooley, and in some areas, you get more out of Nazer. At both ends of the ice, um, you know, Cooley is a is a better driver of play in terms of overall differentials, but he leads with more defense-first approach. But the offensive differences are pretty negligible. Um you know, Nazer is a natural center, and I feel like Cooley's defensive game at center is a little bit better. Cooley is just a playmaking monster, though, like just constantly shoveling pucks in front of the net, whereas Nazer's the one usually finishing and putting those pucks in the net. Um, I like them both. Uh, I think that Nazer could be a perfectly reasonable middle six, you know, winger or, or, or a third-line center or something for an NHL team. I'm not as high on him as other people are. Um, Cooley, I think, has a ton of potential. It just... Offense, 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 offense with him. And it's it's really uh, pretty incredible to watch him at times. Some games, I've seen him come and go, but you can say the same thing about Frank Nazer, in my opinion. Uh, um, I, I think Nazer might be a better player under pressure, but Cooley is a play dictator. Like, he just, he imposes his will on opponents and really drives play. 
Um, so I like Cooley a, 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 a smidge higher than Nazer, but Nazer's a perfectly reasonable pick. And he, like, there's no team where he wouldn't be a fit. I just, uh, in terms of upside and where he could be, like, I think there could be a good finisher, a good net front guy um, in, with Nazer as well. He comes off the boards well. Uh, but in terms of an all-around 200-foot play-driving guy, I think I see more out of Cooley. Uh, if you were Buffalo with your three picks in the first round, who would you pick? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll say the same thing to you. I say to everybody else, it depends on who is available. Um, but let's just do a, just do a lottery here. So if Buffalo ends up with the eighth overall pick, um, let's say eight, what is this? Buffalo eight, 16 and 31. So uh, two, two sort of mid round picks and, uh, and a late. So at eight, I mean, you're in a pretty good spot because there's going to be a good player available. Um, so I'm going to just pull up my list here. Um, uh, my ranking. Uh, so yeah, I mean, eight on my list is Seamus Casey, but I feel like you could get him at that second pick with the Vegas pick. I mean, if you get like Matthew Savoy there, like if your first round picks are like Matthew Savoy, Seamus Casey and Gleb Trikazov, like I'd be happy with that. Seamus Case, or maybe you'd pick Liam Ugarin. I think that could be an interesting one for Buffalo. Just a bit of a different sort of flavor that I think fits in with how they play. Um, those names come to mind. Cutter Gauthier might be one of those guys you target with one of those picks. If you want a defenseman, which maybe the Sabres want. Kevin Korczynski might bring them something a little different. Um, if by some chance someone like Simon Nemec is available at eight, that could be a guy that I think might be a good fit there. Minchukov maybe will be there as well, and that might be a bit of a reach to me, but I could see the logic behind it. Um, they've got they've got lots of options, and with a late first round pick, there's always going to be someone available that I have really high that they might be able to get. Like if they're not afraid of the Russian thing, Gleb Trikasov is right there. Um, Vladimir Gradinin could be an interesting one, but you might be able to get him later. Uh, Isaac Howard might be an interesting pick for Buffalo at that range. Uh, Owen Pickering. There's lots of good options that the Buffalo Sabres could pick from from that first round, I think, uh, if they if they just don't overthink it and maybe let other teams let good players fall. Uh, I struggled to get a read on Shapovalov. Do you think he has the pace to translate to the pros? Uh, I mean, so you'll look at my list here and you see Matias, uh, Matias with a uh, plus one next to his name, but he's ranked in my third round. Um, I think that there's a pretty easy way to see him being like a – okay bottom six NHLer like I don't I don't think there's huge hope for him in terms of being a gigantic play driver no pun intended I think a team's going to pick him in the first round and he'll play bottom six minutes for a few NHL teams in his career and you know be one of those sort of bottom six filler guys like the way he makes plays under pressure not many guys in the draft do it like he does but that's about everything he brings he's not overly physical He's not overly skilled. He's not overly quick for a big guy. He's not overly quick, period. You know, the puck seems to just sort of die on a stick a lot of the time. Um, but when a guy's draped all over him, he can try to make plays, and he has these really complicated passing angles to hit targets, and that's impressive. But I just don't see enough where I see him valued where I would be picking him. Like, a team will pick him in the first round or early second round, and that's okay, uh, but I wouldn't do it. Uh, so I don't blame you for not being able to get a read on him. I think I saw a Twitch question come in pretty early. Uh, maybe this question is bad. That is not true. There's no such thing as a bad question. 
But if the Devils pick six, who do you think the players likely available in that range are too good to trade the pick for Fiala? Oh, would you think the players likely available in that range are too good to trade the pick for Fiala? Well, look, I'll answer this as me. I really like Kevin Fiala. Uh, I I don't know if he is particularly necessary for the for the Devils, but if the Devils want to get better quicker, and they and that pick is what it takes, I would probably want a little more than Fiala. But that's probably because my brain is wired to think top ten picks are worth a lot, which they are. Um, but I mean, if a guy like David Yurichek is available at six somehow, if I'm the Devils, I'd find a re- I'd have a really hard time giving that pick up, like. That guy really strikes me as, like, what people think Shakir Mukamadulin could be, but, like, now. Um, really big fan of, of Juracek now that I've gone back and watched some old tape of him since he hasn't played for a long time. Um, I think there are some players that I would have trouble giving up for Kevin Fiala, but the benefit is you get Kevin Fiala, right? Like, you're giving up potential for, a, I would think, a top-six scoring winger. And a guy like Kevin Fiala playing with a guy like Alexander Holtz or Jack Hughes or Nico Heischer, like, kind of speaks for itself. Uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea. I just wonder if that's the really the biggest need for them where moving a top 10 pick would fill that hole. Um, but uh, in, in, to answer your question, there are some players at six that I probably would want, but the Devil's priorities might not be to continue just drafting 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 and if you can leverage that top 10 pick i don't know if this is a rumor out there or anything but if you can leverage that into a guy like kevin fiala and you know you're not super you know i mean he comes with a bit of a reputation but if you're not concerned with that then then go for it we'll see uh but eh, it's hard to say unless the draft is happening like i mean i really like brad lambert but again like kevin fiala i'm a really really big fan and he's kind of gotten better and better and better in his career it's a tough call i i think you could go either way i would lean towards making the deal but there's going to be someone at six where it would sting to not have them but also the devils have drafted quite a bit uh how do you feel about bordelo's pro debut and can he make the sharks next year well he scored three points that's pretty good i saw a little bit uh, of that game not a ton i honestly don't have time to watch a lot of all these guys making their debuts right away um, but from what I saw, he looked great. Like the thing about him that has really blown my mind is that when I was watching him in his draft year, like the skill was there. You could see the skill and the release and all that stuff. You could see it. And he was a great volume playmaker, but I was wondering, like the guy didn't really have much defense to his game at all. And he didn't really have much pace to his game. Like he was a really good catch and release guy, a really good one touch player. And the skating just didn't really come out as much. And, and boy, I mean, it really has come out uh, and, and grown over the last couple of years because he was looking real flight of foot, fleet of foot, as they say. Uh, and and I was really impressed with watching the little snippets of that game that I saw. Um, can he make the Sharks next year? Why not? Um, I think he'll be in the mix to land a job. I, I, I look at the Sharks right now. Like, I don't think Jonathan Dolan's coming back. And I look at the Sharks right now, and I feel like they have a lot of these AHL, NHL tweener guys that haven't quite made enough of an impact where if a better player comes along, it'll be hard for them to knock them off a pedestal. I think if I think if Thomas Bordalo comes along and has a really good camp, it wouldn't take much to move some of those bottom end of the lineup guys out and move in Bordalo. So it's a po- it's, I don't see why not. Um, but I won't, I won't anoint him with a job months in advance. Uh, thoughts on Button's list of affiliated prospects that came out. Uh, all I'll say is that the reaction to that and the way that it ended up is exactly why I don't do that kind of stuff myself. 
Um, sure, it might drive clicks to my website, it might drive YouTube views, but that's not really my priority. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I found it kind of ridiculous uh, and kind of arbitrary, like really arbitrary. And I mean, there's a, I mean, again, like I feel like Craig Button puts biases on players that he's seen a lot of, which I, under, you can understand why. Um, but also like that makes it so that, you know, when, when you look at that list, you're sort of like, well, I, I don't know. And again, it's also, it's also very strange to sort of evaluate the entire landscape as a whole, knowing full well how noisy, uh, how noisy these things can be and how development can completely fluctuate from year to year. Um, it's really tough, uh, to, to get that right because I don't think there's a single way to do it. I don't think there's any way to get it right. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. It's good for creating internet arguments, uh, which get your name out there. Um, but I don't know. I, I didn't read, I didn't spend too long reading it. I didn't spend too long thinking about it. And I don't think anybody should be, be taking that much time to argue and complain and think about it. Uh, have you thought about somehow digitizing the eye test, like body language and other things that are not included in the detailed analysis? No. Um, I don't really care about body language cause that's fixable um easily like body like body language like the way a person behaves is usually a product of their environment and if you change that environment and change the circumstances then you can modify it and digitizing the eye test i mean that's kind of what i do right like the events that i track it's not anything that's modeled it's just things that are happening on the ice Right. So the whole point of my eye test of digitizing the eye test is to go, in my view, is to go when someone says this player's really good on offensive transitions, I can then go to my data and use it to go, I don't think so, or that's absolutely correct, because it digitizes things that happen on the ice, right? Like tracked data is literally digitizing the eye test. But things like like I feel like evaluating qualitative stuff is really hard you know like body language like what is good body language right like is it a bad thing that a player is too stoic right like who's to say that that's a good thing i don't know um and i, I want like what is bad body language is is being dejected or frustrated bad because otherwise if that's the case then there are a lot of nhlers who have bad body language in the national hockey league we just saw someone give the middle finger to another player during a game, right? Like, how's that body language? Is that a good or a bad thing? I don't know. Depends on the context. Um, so yeah, I, I haven't really thought about doing that side of it. One, because I don't think it really matters. And I also don't think it's, it's, it, it would create too much confusion really more than anything. Uh, would you rather be colorblind or not taste anything? Um, I would rather be colorblind. Uh, I love food and I cook food. And if I couldn't taste anything, I'd feel miserable. Um, and I, I mean, my cousin, uh, had a pretty bad case of COVID and we were talking, we met up last summer and we were talking and he said that he still couldn't taste things like months later. And I asked him what that was like. And he just was like, it's miserable. It's so, it's just brutal. Like you just, it, everything tastes bland and flat. And so for me, it's like, you know, like, being colorblind, it would make for difficulties for sure, but at least I could still see and at least 
I can still enjoy something that I like, right? Which is food. And I can still see. So, yeah. One is a slight... It's like... it's like would you, The better question to me would be like, would you rather be colorblind or never taste anything that is sweet? Right? Like, you just don't have sweet anymore. Like, your taste buds for sweet die. And it's like, that would be... That would be tougher, because it's like, I like sugar. I'm a sugar... I like sugar. I can't help myself. But I also like seeing colors. Um, but anyway, to answer your question, I'd rather be colorblind. Um, I love Vasily Podkolzin. I just wanted to say that. Who doesn't love Vasily Podkolzin? I mean, I was skeptical of him in my early scouting report on him, but I still really respect how he plays. I love Vasily Podkolzin. I, I hope for the best for him. Um, so yeah, I, that thought is welcome. What do you think Wyatt Johnston project, Johnson projects into? Is he the real deal? He's pretty darn good. I mean, I've seen him a few times with with Windsor. Um, he's he's definitely. I mean, losing the season didn't seem to to uh, really skip a beat for him. Really, like some other OHL guys, I think. Um, I I mean, he's looked great. Uh, really, really skilled, devastating around the net. Pretty, you know, the skill is kind of where he makes his money. Um, kind of agile, but not extremely agile. Like he kind of is like the next sort of Luke Evangelista type guy where he's going to score and score and score and score and score and do it with sort of skill and, and, and sort of real good net front play for a guy that's not super big. We'll see how it works down the road. I'm not convinced, but he's had a great year, better than I expected um, based on what I saw of him last year, which was only the U18s. Um, I don't know about like a huge massive steal for Dallas, but he's been quite good. Um, oh, my Twitch stream paused. That's unfortunate. Uh, I'll let it, I'll let it sort itself out. There we go. Um, what else do we have? Do we know Canada's U18 roster yet? Well, we can find out if we know it or not. Elite prospects helps for this. I don't think so. I think, uh, they're still waiting for the final, uh, playoff situations in the CHL to, uh, to be set up. We only, yeah, right now we've only got, um, Germany, Switzerland, Latvia, Finland, and Sweden. Um, so no Canadians yet. But probably in the next couple, next week, right? Yeah, April 26th. We'll probably know in about a week. So ask me the same question next weekend. Uh, what's with the Naser drop-off? I had him really high. Uh, I had him really, really high. And I, 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 I was buying sort of what other people were saying about him. And every single time I've seen him, I've wondered when I'm going to see the same thing. And I just feel like that range where he's in is really, really close. Like, I'll pull it up now. Um, like, right now, he's at 14. And I feel okay about that. But I could think about it as high as 12, maybe, 13. Um, and I had him ahead of guys like Kamel, Mashar, Nemich, Ugrin, Howard. And I, 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 I don't know. I see more potential out of a guy like Mashar. I see a better fin a similar player, but a better finisher in Kamel. I see a much better player overall in Nemich. Um, and I, I mean, I have him about as low as I possibly could put him. Uh, Ugarin, I see a, a, a better motor. I hear a lot about Nazer's 200 foot game and I just don't see it. He's one of the lesser involved defensive transition players I've tracked and just very passive defensively. Um, but when he's got the puck on his stick, he's hard to get on top of and he's hard to shut down and all that stuff is great and projectable, but I see the same thing kind of with Liam Ugarin. Isaac Howard, I think, is more high upside, will a much higher risk, but I mean, I don't know. If you want to take Nazer over Howard, I'm not gonna scream and cry about it. You can you you could convince me to do that. Um so it's just a really close range and me sort of giving him another go 
and going, okay, maybe I'll see what people are talking about. And I still just don't see, I just still don't see it. Um, but he's a good, he's good for what he is, but I still just, as a finisher, I like it, but overall, I just wonder where the rest of the package is. Um, what do you think Jaden Struble projects into? Thinks he should think he should stay in college. Uh, I mean, there's no rush to leave college. Like he's a good college defenseman, a really fun one to watch. Another year wouldn't hurt, right? Like there's no need to rush him, especially Montreal. They have a kind of a good thing going. Um, you know, they just brought in Harris. I mean, they could use more defensemen for next year, but you can bring those in and whatever. Um, but I mean, I, I think a good mobile sort of bottom four defenseman, like he's a physical player. He's got a bit of skill to him as well. Nothing incredible, but I think he's got enough skill to, to play in the NHL. Maybe just not as like a massive play driver, maybe a secondary quarterback on a power play or something maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's a perfectly reasonable, you know, top second pair, maybe third pair mobile physical guy. Uh, in a keeper league and struggling who to keep Jersey Spencer Rathbone. I can keep multiple. Um, I mean, I've got Rathbone in one draft, uh, in one league I'm in, um, don't have Jersey, don't have Spence. I don't know. I mean, they're all kind of similar. Um, maybe Spence. Cause I think he's the youngest and he's doing pretty well. Um, I don't know. It's a tough call. Usually I don't like having too many players on one team. So maybe that eliminates one of Jersey or Spence, but I don't think you're, I don't think any one of those guys gives you a huge advantage over the other in terms of like NHL upside that I, at least I can point to maybe Rathbone. I think if I had to order it, I mean, you got the advantage of youth with Spence and he's had a great AHL season. So maybe Spence Rathbone Jersey. I don't know. Um, Hockey junkie just found my channel the other day. Well, good to know. Good to feed your addiction. It's good. Good. I can feed that addiction. It's a good addiction. Speaking of movies, have you seen or heard anything of, have you seen or heard of everything everywhere all the time at all at once? Yes. Uh, that's the A24 movie, uh, about the, the woman who is like living multiple realities or something, right? I've been meaning to watch it. Have not seen it. Uh, it's on my list though. Is there more of a bias in prospect rankings where people feel the need to acquiesce to consolidated rankings or more bias towards waning to wanting to create a unique ranking list that deviates from the consensus? Um, well, it again, like you're asking about and you're asking about a judgment of a land of the entire landscape, right? Like I think I think that what happens is so with something like uh you know, it's why I it's why I don't really work with other people for player evaluation purposes. Like I don't I I the way I see it is as a evaluator and as a person it's kind of, you're putting your work out there, right? Like it's, it's, it's much more difficult to put your name out there and, and be identified as an independent person when you're part of a group of people where the result of a discussion that you have is what the, what the organization puts out. It's, you know, because, I mean, you could go back and be like, well, I pushed for this person to be higher in our rankings and whatever, but, and that's fine, but that makes your life a lot harder. For me, I certainly in the, in the past have fallen trapped to both at once, where I listen to people and let them affect what I think, and it's been a mistake. I have, I have also relied too much on myself and the data to just 
and especially without before I was tracking data game to game, I was really uh, reliant on result results level data and production and everything, and I got burned a lot doing that as well. Um, and my rankings on those early years, especially outside the first round or so, were kind of wackadoo, uh, and I'm willing to admit that. Um, but now, I mean, I feel way more comfortable about my stuff nowadays. I mean, there are, for me personally, it's, it's, I look at the way that I look at the list that I make as like my way to present how I think. And I think that that should be what, especially people not working for a team. Like, I think that's what should the, that, that's what the goal should be. If your goal is to work for a team, if you want to just like work for an outlet and just go to games and get press credentials and do media interviews and cover stuff like great like that's awesome probably a much easier lifestyle uh so you can by all means go ahead but if your priority is to be like i want to make a name for myself as an evaluator and like work my way up the ladder then a list is like your way of and 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 the and the content that comes with it right like it's that's why i write so much when i put my rankings out new rankings are coming in the next week by the way it just it just changes so much to allow people into your head and like see what you're thinking, right? Because I think the philosophy through which you watch the game is just as important as your skill at ordering players based on what you think their upside is or what you think their talent level is. Those those things go hand in hand. So I mean, I think some I think some people are more susceptible to outside influences, but I in my experience, that's gone away more and more every year. Like nowadays, I don't I I will talk to people, listen to them, ask them for their opinions on things, but at the end of the day, I'm sticking to my guns. What the the, the list is not going to be what I'm not comfortable with. And on the other side of it, uh I don't think there's people out there who I don't think there are people out there who just go out and just put together a list that's completely asinine for the sake of being asinine. Like I don't think that's the case. I think there are people who you know, just have very different philosophies from what might be typical. Um, I might be one of those people, right? Like I do things uniquely and the way my list ends up might look completely bonkers to some people and probably does. And that's okay. But I at least know that in my gut, like you can ask me, you know, you can, if you think that I'm being a little bit absurd, you can ask me about it directly live on camera and I will answer the questions and I will explain my logic behind it, right? Like, so if I'm wrong, I at least have uh, the research and the public record to go back on to say, okay, here's where things might've gone wrong. Here's where things I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think that much about or didn't think enough about or, or be concerned that much about. Um, so those, it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's an interesting question because I think it's not super easy to answer. Um, but I don't, I, I think that there are people who, because I used to do it, like that, that, that might hear what other people are saying and internalize it and let it cloud their own judgment. And that's a skill that you kind of have to learn to get over. Like I'm still getting over it, but I think this past, these past two seasons, I've really kind of gotten a lot more comfortable, you know, sticking to my guns and, and doing what I think is, is out there, uh, or doing what I think is something I should be doing. Um, but in terms of just making a list to be contrarian, I don't think that happens so much, but if that is something that someone does, or, or if that is, if someone, if someone does put out something that is quite wildly out of line with what's expected, there should at least be a, uh, 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 an, an, uh, 
a discussion that validates it in a way, right? Because otherwise, in re- in retrospect, you could just go, ah, it's just what I thought, and you never know. The draft is weird, right? Like, I don't know. So I guess the answer to both sides of your question is yes and no, kind of. Uh, what are Mice's similarities to other exceptional status players? I know it's three years out, but it's always exciting to think about the future. And I was just about to ask about Misa as well. So yeah, if you don't know, uh, I think it's Michael Misa, right? Because Luke is his brother. Uh, Luke is pretty good too for Mississauga. Um, so Michael Misa, yeah. So he got uh, a- exceptional status um, for the, uh, I think my Twitch stream died. Um, he, he got, oh, average stream bitrate too high. Well, I'm sorry for having really good internet, Twitch. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so the Misa brothers are quite talented. I've only seen Michael very briefly. I've only dipped my toe into 16U scouting recently in like the last month. Um, and I I mean, watching him a little bit, I, I, I only caught him in passing because I wasn't really sure if he was even going to be worth looking at, if he got exceptional status or not. I looked at him briefly today. Um, I'm trying to think of previous exceptional status players that he kind of reminds me of. He's, it's kind of, he kind of reminds me a little bit of like Matthew Savoy at the same age. Um, just a really quick and agile, skilled guy, playmaker first and foremost, like Savoy. Um, I, I'm not, I don't know if he's just going to step into the, into the OHL and be great right away. It's pretty, uh, hard to tell, uh, especially for someone who's 15 years old. But I mean, look, if hockey Canada thinks that there's not much more for him to do in, in, in AAA anymore, uh, then that's the case. Um, and he'll go to an OHL team and be there for a few years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, based on what I saw of him and based on what I saw of other U16 guys that are draft eligible this year, I imagine Misa will go first overall. The guy that I'm really interested in is, 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 is Porter Martone. That guy can really play. And uh, I would be pushing for him pretty early in the OHL draft. And I like, I mean, I like Michael Misa, but not every exceptional status guy goes first overall. Um, but I imagine he probably will based on what I've seen, but I can't say I've seen like a tremendous amount of him, but enough to go, yeah, okay. Like I, I kind of see why this guy isn't going back to AAA anymore, especially if he gets a bit bigger and stronger uh, over the next over the next few months. How many games have you tracked of Juracek and do you go back and watch his old games? Funny you mentioned that. So I have tracked three because that's, I do one a month and then he got hurt. Uh, so I have October, November, December. Um, and yes, I did. I was actually talking to Sam McGilligan about, uh, I was talking to Sam McGilligan um, about this because I had Juracek more around eight and he's, and he was like, oh, you, you might want to go back and watch some of that old tape. He's like, you know, cause I was talking to him and I was saying, well, like Matt Savoy and Gleb Trikazov and Seamus Casey and Yuri Slavkovsky even like, I don't know, like, is Juracek really behind all those guys? And I mean, I had Juracek ahead of Casey, but you know, my question was sort of like, ah, is he, is he really below those guys? And he's like, ah, I don't think so. I think he's a pretty good top five guy and you should check him out again. And I did, and I watched some Czech games and then watched the game against Canada before he got hurt and all that fun stuff. And yeah, like I think he's a top five guy, um, really, really pushing that top group for me, the top top tier, uh, assuming his injury didn't wreck his career, which I don't imagine it would have. Knee injuries are not what they used to be. Um, and yeah, I mean, 
the data for year check like was bad uh, I'll, I'll i'll come right out and say that uh it was not good um let me just get it up here for you david his name is david not dan um like this is bad it's all bad uh poor offensive transition numbers mediocre defensive transition numbers for a defenseman really bad offense okay defense terrible differentials um just a lot of bad but you see what the potential is with him you see it right like you can tell he's got skill he's got a lot going for him man that is weird i look like i'm from the movie dune with my eyeballs like this it's like uh kind of creepy but anyway uh my eyes are not this blue it's i think because my green my my blue screen filter is picking up my eye color anyway uh enough of that um but yeah i mean i think with year check you see the potential you see a lot of what could be there um really really interesting offensive tools really physical defensive player um i just I, the results aren't there right now but but long-term burn uh with more you know experience i feel like there could be a lot there um weird uh okay I lost the questions. Went too fast. Uh, Blake, uh, hey, Scouching. Misa is really good, but seems Hockey Canada is giving out the exceptional status a little too easily now. Power, Johnson, and Fantilli are going to college. Do you think that affects it? Uh, no. I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, exceptional status. Like, if a player wants to go to university, I mean, colleges are, are recruiting these guys younger and younger right like they're 14 15 years old and colleges are probably reaching out and seeing if these guys these canadian kids are interested and ohl teams kind of know when guys want to go to college right like they'll 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 just tell them uh the families will just tell them like oh we're thinking of sending them to college so if owen power you know why would hockey canada give exceptional status to a guy like power or johnson or fantilli when they just are not going to likely play in the CHL anyway, and they can go to the USHL and play there. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's going to, I mean, are they giving it out too much? Um, I don't think so. I mean, they gave it to Connor Bedard. They gave it to, I mean, there, there have been some misses, but again, like at the time, if you've got, let's say Sean Day, Sean Day was huge and really good on his feet for a huge kid. I think it was just, there was a mental side of going to the OHL that I, maybe he wasn't ready for. Like, I, I don't know. I don't want to get inside his head. Um, but more often than not, if a guy gets it, it's, it's okay. Um, David Levin was the one that really didn't work out, but I don't know how much that's on him. Like that guy has hands for days. Uh, but that was pretty much it. And, I don't know, I, but I don't think they're giving it out a little too easily, right? Like it's one kid. And the last time they did this was two years ago, I think. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, but you know, we'll see if it does active harm to Michael Misa, uh, then we'll see. But I don't, I don't think that the teams that are likely to draft him are so dysfunctional that they might really not know what to do. Um, but I, I don't know. I think he's going to be, he's going to be just fine. Uh, if you're picking 13 to 15, who are you pounding the table for? Brad Lambert probably will be, be available there, so Brad Lambert. Uh, any Swedes that the Leafs should draft in the later rounds? Um, uh, later rounds. Um, if by some miracle Matthias Hovlet is available, you could go with Matthias Hovlet. 
Um, but like late rounds for Swedes, uh, who who we got here? Um, Fabian Wagner could be an interesting leaf. Uh, maybe Philip Nordberg. Um, I like Oscar Ponzar. Someone mentioned this kid last week, Oscar Ponzari. Uh, Ponzar. I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Uh, someone mentioned Joel Jonsson. That's another one that the Leafs could go for. Um, that's right up the Leafs alley. Just like a skilled offensive kid. Plays for the same team that Pierre Engvall played for, but that would have been over 10 years ago. So I don't know if that matters. Um, but yeah, like Ponsari is another one that I've liked. Um, maybe Adam Engstrom, but I don't think that's exactly what the Leafs are looking for. Um, but yeah, I think that realistically, like Fabian Wagner, uh, Joel Jonsson, those guys probably will be available. Uh, and maybe those are the guys that they go for. Uh, Philip Nordberg might be another one. Uh, Yuri Slavkovsky, is there a comparable right now in the NHL that you can compare this guy to? Also, is this a guy that plays physical hockey? I don't think he plays that much physical hockey, but he is very physically resilient. Like, it's hard to get on top of him and stop him. Like, he comes off the boards really, really well, cuts into the inside really, really well, um, gets his chances from the middle of the ice pretty often. Um, is there a comparable in the NHL? Uh, let me look. Um, cause it is a question that I've asked myself a lot and it is kind of troubling. There was some, someone mentioned a really good one in, in the discord server not too long ago. And I can't remember who it was. Um, I think he's a left winger. Uh, so let's just filter height greater than or equal to six foot three. Um, Hmm. And like sort by, I don't think he's going to score a lot of goals in the NHL, but he'll get his chances. Um, hmm. Like the, the thing I struggle with is, is he, is he like Jordan Greenway comes to mind? Maybe Pierre Engvall kind of vibe. Lawson Kraus without the sort of intense physical game. Um, like Pierre Engvall is a lanky boy. He's tall, but he's skilled. And, and now with a few years of development, he's gained a bit of a nice gear of speed to him. So maybe that, like maybe, maybe Slavkovsky's like a 40, 50 point, you know, lanky offensive guy that can make a play. I mean, he's pretty built already. He's like 230 pounds, but like he doesn't really use it that much. Um, so maybe something up that alleyway. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Anders Lee maybe, but that's a lot of goal scoring for, for, for him, which I, I don't think is there. Uh, I'm trying to think of another example, but something up that alley, right? And, and with prospect comparisons in the, in the NHL, I will always be more conservative than optimistic. Uh, set the bar low and surpass the bar. <laughs> that's kind of my angle all the time. Um, but I, I mean, I could see someone like a, a Jordan Greenway without the physicality as much, as much, uh, or maybe a Pierre Engvall, something like that. Uh, and that's no disrespect to Yuri Slavkovsky. Those are good hockey players. Uh, do you think it would be better for Columbus to get Chicago's pick this year or next year? Well, probably next year. Cause I feel like Chicago might get worse. Um, and I feel like, I mean, Columbus already has a pick, right? Yeah. They've got 12. Um, they might end up with another one, uh, or yeah. So Chicago is 
top they won this lottery okay um so chicago and columbus are pretty close to each other i mean it's but it's hard because outside of the top three next year i don't know really relative to this year where we are um but i and and, but if you think if you think that columbus is going to be uh if columbus is going to be or if chicago is going to be bad next year which is entirely possible and you want to take a swing at a top three pick then great um but I mean, I feel like I feel like Chicago will keep this pick anyway. It's up to Chicago, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, whether they keep it or not. Uh, but I will, could be wrong on that. Let's check. Um, I'll check it so I don't make a fool of myself, even though I know by the time I get here. Uh, so if Chicago wins the lotteries and the lottery win results in a top two pick, the pick becomes... Oh, so they don't even get a choice. If Chicago's a top two pick, then Columbus doesn't get it. So if it isn't a top two pick, Chicago keeps it, uh, and then goes it goes to the next uh, to the next pick. Man, interesting. So that trade turns out. Oh my goodness. So that trade turns out to be Adam Boakfist, Cole Sillinger, and a pick they gave to Carolina for Hamosalmi. I guess they traded down. Wow. Okay. Sheesh uh anyway oh nolan nolan allen chicago blackhawks legend uh okay um but yeah i mean i feel like if it's a top two pick this year then that's a good thing for columbus but they yeah they don't even have a choice in the matter uh who do you like better joshua or luke evangelista evangelista did you see that macklin celebrini got tendered with the chicago steel yes i did and that's going to be lots and lots of fun the rich get richer absolutely i like macklin celebrini uh cole eiserman's really good too um i've been watching some shattuck this year uh, those two guys can really play. You were talking about Gleb probably falling to around 32 to 40 in the Sharks podcast. Which other of your top prospects this year do you expect to get picked much later? Uh, Seamus Casey, for sure. Uh, Philip Meshar, I think, will get picked later. Uh, Isaac Howard, I get the feeling, will get picked later. Um, Vladimir Grudinin. Yeah. Brad Lambert probably will get picked way later than I have him. Uh, center prospects for my Red Wings to target in the 8 to 10 range, assuming they drop, of course. Been much moving in the top 10, or is it really center heavy still? Is Nazar's projecting a center or a winger? Um, I think Nazar could play either position, but in the 8 to 10 range, I mean, if Matthew Savoy is available, <laughs> that would be great. I think the Red Wings with Matthew Savoy would be a lot of fun. Like, you could just say, hey, Dylan Larkin, uh, or hey, Matthew Savoy, meet Dylan Larkin, hang out together, get to know each other, and uh, become best friends because you're going to need to learn a lot from from Dylan Larkin. And that wouldn't be the worst thing to do. Uh, I think it would be a, a reasonable option that Savoy could be available there. Uh, maybe not super likely, but possible. Um, other than that, I mean, Nazer there, if you really want to center, could be a decent option. Um, but, I mean, all the rest of them, I mean, Brad Lambert will be, a, I think he's a great center, and if he's available there, then great, but I don't expect, again, I expect teams to just have him much lower. Um, I I don't know. I, I, I At this point, I feel like I'm an, on an island with him, but uh, in my world, that could be a reasonable target for, for 8 to 10 as well for, for Detroit, and I think in Detroit, he'd look great. Uh, Devil's Discord is very high on Gleb, but don't think he'll be taken in the first round. Where do you think he's likely to go? Early second, I think. I mean, well, okay. If it were me, I feel like he's great value outside the top 20. Like, outside the top 20, he is certainly, in my view, better than pretty much 
at least he can keep up with the rest of the guys in that range. And I think he's better. Um, uh, but, but, but I don't think he gets drafted in the first round, but again, like it's hard to say an NHL team might be on the phone with Dan Milstein right now going, we want Gleb into in Montreal for the draft and we'll have a contract in hand the next day. He'll never have to go back to Omsk. Uh, and he can play with the AHL team this season. And then they might land themselves a good player, uh, a round or two ahead of where other teams are drafting him. Most teams, I think, are going to play the card of, well, uncertainty is a problem and who knows what's going to happen in Russia over the next little while. And, and he might fall to the, I don't know, third round. I don't know. Um, so I, he's all, all Russians this year are a complete wild card. Um, but I feel like where he actually will go logically, maybe early second, somewhere in the second round, I, I feel is reasonable, but I would not be surprised if he fell even further than that. Uh, who fits the hockey, hockey Canada archetype in this draft? Uh, Connor geeky, uh, Shane Wright, of course. Um, who else? Uh, I feel like Owen Pickering is up there too. I mean, clearly Denton Matejchuk cause he was at the under 18s last year. He's in there. Um, yeah, those ones, something like that. Uh, David, hello. Uh, any Fraser Minton thoughts or what about Reed Schaefer? So I don't know. I don't see much with Fraser Minton, maybe late round swing guy. Reed Schaefer, kind of similar, really good shooter, big, good puck protector, pretty physical, resilient, lots to like about Reed Schaefer. Like I could see him being a, a, a competent NHL player with, you know, some good finishing ability, gets to the net, all the fun stuff you want. Um, just not like over the moon with him. Excuse me. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, Fraser Minton, haven't seen a ton out of him. Okay. Uh, Seabird, hello. With re-entry players, how do you differentiate between players having success because they're older and more physically developed versus success that is NHL translatable? Should your process for reevaluate for evaluating re-entry players be the same as first-time eligibles? I realize those factors aren't necessarily mutually exclusive either. So the way I think about it is, uh, would I be happy with this player had I drafted them a year ago, right? Would I would I watch this player now, and would I be happy with their with their evolution? And that's like step one. Step two is where in the current draft class that isn't drafted yet or that is first time eligible where do i you know where where's the dividing line between how excited i am with the re-entry player as they are now and my potential view of their of a player's upside of a player that's first time eligible so like if you look at the overage or the re-entry guys i've drafted or i've got on my list like lucas gustafson he hasn't scored a ton with chicago this year but man that kid can play hockey like I just refuse to believe that that kid doesn't have a ton of points locked away somewhere. Great shooter, tons of skill, um, really, really interesting hockey player. Uh, and, and I feel like in college, he's going to do just fine. Yuri Tiacek, I thought had a great rookie Czech pro league year. His team was on the bottom of the table. He was one of their better shot attempt differential guys. Great shooter, really mobile and yeah, I'd be happy with how he played this year if he played this way and I drafted him last year. And I would have drafted him last year based on how the draft went. Um, Yegor Suchkov. That guy should be in the KHL. 
uh, that full off, full stop. He led his team in scoring this year. Um, certainly should be in the KHL. And I, I, I mean, D plus three guys have been drafted into the KHL many times before. And I feel like he would, he's probably going to be there next year. Um, assuming the KHL even exists. Um, but yeah, been really impressed with him too. Jimmy Swomey, Mikey Milne. Um, Swomey's been impressive this year. Full stop as well. Mikey Milne as well. Like I, I, I know he's going to get drafted. It's going to happen. Um, so you can't sort of go, ah, I'd sign him after the draft and call it a day. I don't think you can do that with him. Um, but I do think he's skilled enough and got enough pace where after, like I, as a late round pick, I'd go, okay, this guy's pretty interesting and, and see how he does in the AHL next season. Sure. Um, the rest of the guys on this list for me, Jeremy Wilmer, Siddler, Suvorov, Martin, Quinn Hudson, they're all just guys I've really liked, you know, like really just liked. And as late round swings, like Jeremy Wilmer, I liked for flashes last year. I mean, the kid just seems to have gotten more confident and more skilled, maybe not quick like he needs to be, but he is extremely skilled, um, really daring and creative, which I like. Um, and I think that kind of makes up for a bit of a lack in mobility and speed. Uh, but you know, would I draft him? Uh, I don't know. That's a tough call. Um, and Siddler, Suvorov, those are just two small guys playing in Europe that I think have come along pretty nicely this year as well, both playing pro level hockey. I mean, it's, it's, I think a lot of it comes down to, would I be happy if I drafted them and, uh, relative to the rest of the guys around them, where are they now relative to other player, the other players, uh, relative to other players evaluations uh at, at a younger age and where do i think they could be at the same age as the player that's the re-entry um but i don't usually put a ton of re-entries on my list there's a few more than i think are usually on my list this year but um yeah thoughts on john beecher hoping for the best uh always like john beecher uh hoping for the best <laughs> not much else to say there um how do you think geeky skating will improve best available center around 10th overall? I mean, he's a center that'll be available around 10th overall. I mean, I, I feel like the thing about hoping for large improvements, which is what I think geeky needs to be as good as people think he could be. Like, I feel like the amount of improvements you're going to need to see out of him, like everyone else is going to improve too. Right? Like I, I, I think that if he could get quicker and work on his skill at full stride, um, and become a better puck controller, then I think certainly there could be a really good, you know, 200 foot center there. He's a good close quarters guy, gets his stick on the puck in creative and useful ways that I like, but there's just a lot of other guys that I kind of go, yeah, but these guys do something that is more fun to watch and more interesting and projectable really, really well. Um, but I mean, I've got him at 25, if you wanted to put him as high as, I don't know, 17 or 18, like I would be more than, I'd be more than okay with it. It'd I'd be fine. There are just other guys I think that I, I think I've been more impressed with, but yeah, like if geeky skating improves, that's the biggest thing to me. Um, but he's all, it just, it needs to improve in a lot of different ways. He's not quick enough. He's not particularly skilled enough. Um, just, tough tough to tough to read right now relative to all the other guys in that in that range uh probably answered a question about this thoughts on michael misa i did answer that uh we'll see what happens with him uh but but i i've been impressed when i've seen him which is rare 
Uh, what happened to Nazer? Uh, went over that. Nothing was wrong. It's just kind of putting him back to where I think he belongs because I put him higher and higher because people kept talking about how good he was. And then I watched a game and thought, I think I like other guys better. Um, Logan Cooley's projection. I think he has elite potential. Yeah, I think Cooley could be a top six offensive center. You know, if you don't, if you don't put too many expectations on him to be like a defensive guy, I mean, he can play okay defensive hockey, but it's not great. Um, but if you can get that out of him, uh, or if you can get the offense out of him and, and, and sort of be, let him be a guy that carries the puck. Uh, I won't show my data on him cause I just finished my data set. So he's coming up in a video relatively soon. Well, not relatively soon, but in a little while, but it's really, really good in a lot of different ways. Uh, like, uh, like really good. Um, so yeah, I think he's, I think he's got a ton of potential. Um, what did Kamel do? Not much. Uh, I just had him behind Philip Machar and I thought that was a little bit crazy. Um, so I don't know. I like Kamel. It's just people went nuts about him early in the year. Uh, any thoughts on Western Canada shifting away from minor hockey associations at the U14, 16, 18 level towards a hockey school approach? Better for development, but more kids leaving home even earlier. I can't really speak to that. I don't know. I know what you're talking about. I know, I know what you mean. Um, and it is kind of, I, I like it in the sense of it's less, it's, it's more centralized. Like the thing I like about Europe is that from, from very young ages through their adulthood, kids play together and they play with their friends and they play with their local towns and they play in the same programs and they don't need to jump around and jump around and jump around, um, and move out and all that stuff. Um, I do, I do think it's a little strange that 13 year olds have to move away from home to like go to a school that is recruiting them. Um, but I mean like boarding schools have been around forever, right? Like where I, I grew up in Toronto, there are lots of boarding schools in Toronto and kids came from all over the world to go there. Um, it's a trade-off, right? Like it's, it's a trade-off. If you really, really, really think that your kid has potential and this school is recruiting your kid you know, as long as they're run well and run responsibly and there is accountability and all that good stuff, it should be fine. You know, like if that's, if it's a specialty thing for your special kid, then great. Um, but it's, it's just hard to, it's hard to identify because it depends on the kid. It depends on the parents. It, it depends. Like if I had kids and they were elite hockey players, I live in Ontario I don't know how comfortable I would be sending them away at like 12 or 13 to go play hockey at a school. But I mean, if they were in high school, like 14, 15, 16 years old, and they had been used to being on the road all the time and playing a ton of hockey every year, and they were looking, they wanted to do it and they were comfortable leaving home. And you know, it's a relationship thing as well between you and your kid, then sure, of course. But that's just me. Um, it's, it's, I think it is generally a, a, a step kind of in the right direction, I guess. Um, because also minor hockey associations can be extraordinarily expensive. Not that these schools are probably cheap, but that's just another factor. Um, but I think the European model of local community teams that have multiple age groups that feed into the pro team and, you know, all that stuff, I think that that's probably the better way to go. But unfortunately, I don't think that's ever going to happen in Canada. Uh, when you're wa when you're evaluating players, do you watch one at a time or multiple? If the latter, how do you have tips on? Do you have any tips on how to do so? I watch one guy at a time. Um, I'm locked into one player, uh, and that's it. 
sometimes what happens is someone else uh sometimes what happens is someone else will impress me uh what's called a glitter player to me um and and i'll write them down and check them out later because just because they make one nice play doesn't mean they're good um but yeah i i definitely focus on one player and if someone else jumps out at me i'll make a note and circle back after the game on one hand, you have players like Dylan Cousins from a remote area gaining more exposure. Oh, this is a follow-up on that question. But on the other, you lose a lot of the local elements of minor hockey. Yeah, I mean, in players, like in a case like Dylan Cousins, then yeah, like you, you know, like it's, I, I was told, I, I when I was in Amsterdam, this would have been 2015 or 16, uh, we went to the only shop that sold hockey gear in town and we went to go pick up a jersey for the local team. And, uh, and we asked uh, the shopkeeper there, um, about Dylan or uh, Daniel Sprong, who at the time had recently been drafted and was doing really well in the American League and all that, and he said, "Yeah, like he was in the news uh, as a Dutch kid drafted in the NHL. Like they put him in the news in the sports section, but no one cares about hockey." Uh, and he knew that, and his family knew that, so they left when he was like nine. And if you ask him what he is in terms of his heritage, like he'll say he's Canadian now. Like he just doesn't really identify with being Dutch, and he probably hasn't been back here ever since because. He's so into the hockey lifestyle in Canada and he would never, ever, ever, ever have gotten into the position he's in if he had stayed in the, in the Netherlands. So yeah, I mean, in certain cases like Dylan Cousins, then yes, like absolutely. But I think you answered your own question where it depends on the kid. It depends on the family. It depends on the situation. Uh, it depends on all that stuff. Obviously losing minor hockey, that vibe kind of sucks because it's kind of a cultural thing that you're losing, but I also feel like there's a way that both can sort of coexist in a way, uh, at least at least in my mind. Uh, do you not have Elias Pettersson on your list at all? Uh, I probably will by the end of the year. I just honestly haven't seen him. He's been getting pushed back and back and back and back, but he's on my list to do this week. So uh, check in with me next week and he'll probably be on my list then because I do like him, um, but yeah. Uh, why is Logan Cooley ranked so low in the Elite Prospects draft rankings? Uh, you can go to their YouTube channel, watch the video that explains why. I don't honestly remember why. Um, I, I don't I don't know, but you, you I don't want to put words in their mouth, so go watch that video after you're done watching me. Uh, Columbus flipped that second to Carolina for Jake Bean, but Boakvist has been the better defender. Well, yes, that's that's very true. Adam Boakvist is very fun. Who's the surprise top 10 pick this year? Uh, ooh. Well, who's likely drafting in the top 10 this year? Arizona, Montreal, Seattle, Philadelphia, New Jersey, Columbus, Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit, San Jose. Who is the most likely to surprise everyone? I am not going to say Ottawa this year. I'm not going to say Buffalo. Not going to say, oh, Columbus has pulled rabbits out of their hats before. It would not surprise me to see Columbus come up and take Gleb Trikazov with that pick and go, we have a contract in hand for him and we're bringing him over right away. Because Yegor Chinikov is there. They, they, they're they from the same program. They pulled a rabbit out of their hat with Chinikov. Um, so may, maybe, I don't know. Uh, the Flyers could be an interesting one. They haven't drafted high in a while and they have had some draft picks that have been something, uh, to put it lightly. Um, so if it's say Florida at like four, I mean, Connor geeky at like top five seems like it would be sufficiently surprising to me. Not, I mean, it would be surprising even, even in the optimistic read on Connor geeky. Like, I think that would be surprising. Um, 
So we'll say that. Geeky to Philadelphia at four or wherever they're picking. Uh, which prospects could likely go in the 12 to 16 range? I don't know, man. There's like 40 guys that could go in that range. It's, I don't know. Uh, considering everything, at what rank do you consider drafting Maroshnashenko? Oh, God. Um, there's just too, like, there's just too much uncertainty. Like, maybe if he's there in the second round, you start thinking about it. Like, I wouldn't pick him with the first name off my board. Probably not even with my second name off the board. Third, I guess I could see. Third, I guess I could see, maybe. Uh, but that would mean, like, early second, mid-second kind of thing. And I don't know. I don't know. A lot could change with him, too, between now and the draft. But, yeah, I don't know. This season is more than just a lost season, I think. Um, why is Tucker Robertson in people's top first round, in some people's first round rankings? I have not seen that, but, uh, the people who are doing that, I think are looking at points. Um, I've watched Tucker Robinson to make sure that I don't want to rank him. I'm pretty sure I don't want to rank him. I don't, I think, I don't know. He's a bigger kid. I think getting his chances and scoring and playing a ton of minutes, but I do not, I do not buy the enormous amount of success that he's had. Uh, First line players from this draft. Um, I mean, Logan Cooley could be one. In my mind, Brad Lambert could get there. Shane Wright could get there, I would say, maybe. I think he could be a just a really good second line center. Like if Seattle lands him and it's a Beneers right down the middle for their career, that would be pretty fun. Um, num- first line, pot- I mean, I could see David Yurichek turning into a top pair defenseman. Matthew Savoy could be a top-line forward if things go right for him. Glubtrikazov, I think, could be a top-line forward. I don't think Yuri Slavkovsky quite has that ceiling. But beyond that, I think we're getting really optimistic. I I don't think there's that many. Like, first-line players are extremely rare. Uh, Shane Wright looks like he's found his stride. Uh, He's found his stride. Ten points in his last five, almost at 100 points. Whoever gets him, should he jump in right away or move one? Give him one more year since he had a slow start. First overall picks don't go back to junior. Uh, it just doesn't happen. I, they just don't. Um, own power went, went to college, yeah, but but Shane Wright, I don't think he goes back. It, it'll really you. I think with Shane Wright, you're really going to need to to keep your expectations in check. Like, yes, he's quote unquote found his stride, but I also just don't. I I, I don't. I'm still. I watched a game of him today, but I mean, granted, it was from a little while ago, but I am still like. I was telling people today, like in my gut, I see him as like maybe the fourth best player in this draft right now. Like, I don't know. He's certainly one of the smartest. And, but he's one of these guys where a lot of the time he's kind of waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and then boom, the puck's on his stick and then boom, it's in the back of the net. How much value does that carry, right? Like he's got a really good shot and a really good sort of brain for getting passes through traffic and, 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 and weaving through traffic and getting pucks up the ice, but it's, I don't know. There's weird feelings I get watching him play where I'm going, okay, but like, what about the NHL? And is he going to, is there another gear that he's hiding? Right? Because if that's the case, then why would he hide it when NHL scouts are all over him all year? Um, You know, like if he, if he, you know, being on pace for a hundred points makes him, like many other previous first overall picks in, in from the CHL. Guys like Taylor Hall were a 100-point guy for multiple seasons. Now, granted, Wright didn't have a season last year. But like Shane Wright, I think, you know, he's a guy that has a remarkable shot but doesn't use it at 5-on-5. Five five. Um, 
He's a good tipping threat. He does a lot of these like little hockey man things pretty well as for what they're looking for as offense. But yeah, I mean like being clawing his way to being on pace for a hundred points. That's like expected, but this kid was like exceptional supposedly. I mean, he's a very, 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 very talented hockey player. And I think a top five talent right now, I'm just saying I would not be surprised looking back that there are a few other guys that are comparable to him, or at least could have gone first overall. Um, and so, but I think, I think you should put him in the NHL right away and see what happens. Like your expectations should be pretty low. Like if he's playing your second or third line, um, and just sort of, you you got to put him with the right players too, right? Like you have to put him with guys who can score like that. That is, that is imperative. Otherwise I feel like he's going to really struggle. Like if you give him the Lafreniere treatment, and put him on a line if you're if you're Montreal and you put him on a line with you know whoever plays in the bottom six in Montreal these days he's not going to do anything but if you're like you know Seattle or something and you put him on the second line right away and you have your expectations pretty low for the draft or for the season then you might find something there you put him on a line with Phil Kessel or Clayton Keller in Arizona you might get something out of it um if Kessel is Kessel expiring this year anyway it, do, it doesn't matter you got to put him with the right people I guess is what I'm saying uh, how does Philly mess up the draft? Uh, I don't know, but we'll find out soon. I, I don't know. <laughs> Which big defenseman are the Devils going to pick too early this year? I, don't know, I mean, that happened once. Um, but if you want a real answer, I mean, if the Devils go with like a Pavel Minchukov in the top seven or whatever, that would be pretty entertaining. Um, wow, I'm blasting through these questions tonight. Uh, might actually get out of here in the scheduled hour and a half time slot. What do you know? Um, U18 tournament live streams. Uh, that's a very good idea. Uh, I will, um, I should do that. The tournament is in America, right? It is, or is it, um, I think it's in America, in the United States. Yeah, it's in Texas. Yeah, I mean, if I can, I certainly will. Uh, if the games are during the day, I certainly cannot, um, but I will give them a go, uh, because that would be a lot of fun. Do you see Shane Wright as projecting as more of a 200-foot player like Taves who doesn't score as much as someone else? I think that's, like, the peak potential of his game. Like, Jonathan Taves kind of point per game with Patrick Kane on your wing. Like, if he's a point per game and 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 makes Clayton Keller... Uh, oh, this is 2021. Um, weird. Okay. Oh, it's in Europe. Okay. So the games will probably be during the day. So I don't think I'll be able to live stream during the day, um, but we'll see. Uh, but yes, for Shane Wright, I think Jonathan Taves is like top level what you think he could be, but I still don't see the defensive game out of Shane Wright that people see out of Taves, uh, or at least what Taves had when he was young. Do you think the Leafs could do this da do damage this year in the playoffs? Absolutely, I do. Um, the goaltending is going to be what does it for them if they do. Uh they're one of the deepest offensive teams in the league. Their defensive game, when they're on, they're really on. Um, you know, like Timothy Liljegren has looked really good. He's gotten better as the year's gone on. Um, and I think he's a lock on that team now. Um, so I, I I don't know. I think they could do damage. But that, <laughs> that division is extraordinary. It is unbelievable how strong the division they're in uh, is. But... I mean, I don't know. Like, you look at the playoffs, and oftentimes the hot goalie wins for their team, right? So 
what are the odds, you know, let's say they play Florida, right? What are the odds that Jack Campbell hits a hot streak and stops everything that moves relative to the odds that Sergei Bobrovsky or Spencer Knight goes on a hot, on a hot streak uh, and stops everything that moves. Personally, I think I give the advantage to Florida or uh, yeah. So I, I, I feel like if, you know, the Leafs are going to need to stick to their game plan and push teams around with their skill and pace. Uh, and that's more difficult in the NHL. But when you watch the Leafs play, when they play really well, like they just are a force to be reckoned with. And I feel like they could do some real damage. Like they remind me of when I was a kid and watching like the Colorado Avalanche in the playoffs, where it was just like unrelenting, just insanity. Like every single time guys were stepping on the ice and the Detroit Red Wings in the nineties were like that, where it was just like multiple lines of just heaving guys at, at the opposing goaltender. And, you know, you had Chris Osgood in net for Detroit. I mean, obviously Colorado had Patrick Waugh, but like, I, I, I look at, I look at that and I go, okay, like I, I could, I could see, you know, this sort of onslaught of offense approach, um, you know, getting you there. And they've got those sort of Chris Draper types on their team as well. Right. Like they've got guys like, uh, you know, Colin Blackwell has been a good player for them. Um, so look, if they lose, which is the likely thing they will lose at some point in the playoffs. That's just the odds of it happening. It's the same thing as last year, looking at the Leafs. Like you look at the team top to bottom and you can't really, you can't critique them for not doing enough to change this or that. They added, they added Mark Giordano, right? Like they traded assets to get Mark Giordano. Like you could make the argument that they should have got out a goaltend, got a goaltender at the playoffs at the trade deadline. And I made that argument. But also, they've been unbelievably unlucky with their goaltending luck. And Eric Schalgren has come out of nowhere and been, like, capable? Like, if Toronto goes out and scores three or four goals, which they should be able to do, he can he can hold it. He can hold it together. Um, so, I don't know. I, I People are going to lose their mind if they lose again and, and lose, like, they win around and lose around. Like, if, they, if that's what happens, people are going to lose their mind um, you know, if they lose two, if they lose in the third round, people are going to be despondent, but if they lose in the first round, the, the internet might explode and it's probably going to be a good time to get off the internet. Uh, but I don't know. I don't, I, I, I hope they do damage because, uh, they should, they are capable, but that is going to be a tough matchup for sure. Um, and I hope, I hope people keep their heads on straight, but they won't. Uh, who's the first goalie off the board? Probably Tyler Brennan, I guess. Uh, are you a Blue Jays fan? I'm a bandwagoner. Uh, I'm willing to admit it. I wear Blue Jays hats a lot. Um, I do go to baseball games once in a while. I haven't obviously recently because of the pandemic, but I am going to one next month. Uh, so that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, I am aware of the, that they are a very good team this this year. So yeah, uh, I like the Jays. I like the stock. Uh, if they were the same birth year, are you picking Gleb or Murat? I'm picking Gleb. Uh, tough call, but taking Gleb. Odds of World War Three starting, uh, very slim. Uh, why is Mintyukov so low to other defensemen on your list? Would you be okay if he was taken in the eight to sixteen range? I mean, eight to sixteen is a massive range, but I mean, I've got uh, the reason I have him lower is because I like other guys more. Gurdinen, I think, is more mobile and more projectable defensively. Uh, with 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 more, I, I mean, I think he's just as skilled as Mintyukov is. Um, 
I think he's quicker out of his pivots than Mintyukov. Uh, Korchinski, I think, is a better puck carrier, uh, a better offensive sort of playmaker than Mintyukov, but that's splitting hairs a little bit. Gauthier, Nazer, and Howard, yeah, like, I could have all three of those defensemen. Like, I could pick them ahead of those guys, maybe. Um, Nazer, Howard, Gauthier, like, Mintyukov, I mean, with Mintyukov, you see flashes, right? It's in little spurts. Um, it's, it's little spurts of, of, of that, that you, that of the skill that you see with Minchukov that you really, really like. Um, there's deception. He has a bit of a delay game, which I think is why elite prospects really likes him. Um, but I don't know. I just, sometimes I'm watching him playing and at the top prospects game, I saw him and really paid attention to him. And I'm going, is this guy really a top 10 pick, right? Like, is this guy really one of the best defensemen in the draft class? And I just don't, I just didn't see it. Uh, Josh Norris with his 33rd goal tonight. Yeah, dog. Uh, kind of sad he's been Ottawa's first 30-goal scorer since 2011 and 12. Nice to see the young guns in Ottawa. Who in the top 10 would fit nicely in their core? Well, I think they need a center. Like, you don't want to draft on need. Um, you know, I think someone like Matthew Savoy or if Logan Cooley slips to Ottawa's pick, that gives you – like, I think what Ottawa needs, and I was on the Centennial podcast talking about this. Like, I think what Ottawa needs is firepower. Like, they, they have good – offensive players they have a a lot of tenacious physical guys but they don't have guys where you go screw you i'm gonna score a point guys tim stutzla i mean maybe he becomes that but he isn't that right now and they're trying to make him play as as a center where you're not as likely to do that uh because you have other responsibilities but i mean if, if yeah if a guy like logan cooley slips there if a guy like Matthew Savoy slips there uh, or is available there and they pick him, I think that's a nice change of direction uh, to sort of go, all right, this is our offensive guy. Like this is going to be a guy that goes out and scores for us um, because they have some of that on defense, but they don't really have much of that in the way of offense. They have a lot of decent to good offensive players, but you're going to need like real firepower. And there's going to be some of that that might be able to play center for you that I think could fit that bill. Um so we'll go with that. Uh, Cutter, what does he do good and bad? Uh, he does good. Uh, he does He does good. He shoots good. He's got some good skill, pulling pucks around and everything. Uh, what does he do bad? I mean, he's a pretty offensive-minded guy. Like, he doesn't really have much in the way of offensive or defensive transition involvement from what I've seen. His name is Cutter. Uh, there it is. So yeah, like a lot of the data is kind of fine. Like his, tra- okay. So his transition involvement is actually pretty decent. Um, I must be thinking, I think I might be thinking of Nazer. Um, you know, yeah, like he's, he's, he's pretty solid all around in pretty much every metric volume shooter doesn't get into the inside as much as he could, but I've seen him do it before and it's pretty impressive. Um, you know, he's, he's got range to him as well. Like he's mobile and rangy. So I like I like Cutter Gauthier. I think there's room to grow with his game for sure, uh, with the skill that he's got, the quality of his release, and and sort of just the fluidity through which he plays the game. Um, so I think as like an, a mid first round pick, you know, like I think there's something there. Like he kind of reminds me a little bit of like Dawson Mercer kind of thing, like that kind of a profile a little bit, like a really good finisher, really good shooter. Uh, from what I've been able to see, um, just not as consistent as you, as you would like. Uh, I think, uh, you're losing by one. Okay. Losing by one in the Stanley cup. And there's a minute and 30 seconds left in the game out of this draft class. Who are the five guys you want on the ice? Um, 
Who are the five guys I want on the ice? Uh, well, I want Juracek on D, and I'll put uh, I'll put I'll put uh, I'll put Casey out there with Juracek as my D pair. Um, and I want I want Brad Lambert. Well, yeah. If you're gonna put Brad, I'll put Brad Lambert on the wing, Logan Cooley up the middle, and Yuri Slavkovsky on the other wing. That's the line I'm going with, uh, for sure. And in net, I don't know, George, uh, Sergey Ivanov, whatever. Uh, what are some of the complications of ranking forwards and defensemen on a big board? Feels like that dis- distinction is undersold in draft conversations. That's a great question. Um, I don't really think about it that much, but I think I passively think about it. So. I think for me, for me, forwards are easier to analyze than defenders, but I also feel like in the draft, it is easier to draft forwards where that's it's it's they have traits that are harder to find in the NHL. Defensemen, I feel like good defenders in the NHL are like really, really good ones are invaluable for sure. But I also feel like the forward equivalent in terms of draft value is worth slightly more. So for me, it seems like my list always turns out to be, here are all the forwards I like, and then like a defenseman or two where I'm like, these guys are also part of that group for sure, right? You go further down, there's some more forwards. And then at some point, like for the third tier, you've got Korchinski, Grudinin, and Mitukov all at the back end of that group. And it's like, I could see a world where Mintyukov and Korchinski and even Grudinin, they improve over the next few years well enough that they're better than Goche and Nazer and Howard for sure. But for me, it's just kind of harder to see that. But I still see the the value in their game, right? For sure, like 100%. And if you wanted to take Kevin Korchinski over Cutter Goche or something, I'm all ears. Like, let's talk. Like, I'm I'm, I'm down for that discussion. Um, but I, 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 so I leave myself open to it. So in that sense, my rankings are pretty fluid, and that's kind of why I do it in tiers anyway. Um, so then it's easier to just say, okay, well, here's a group of players, and then here's another group of players, and whatever. Um, and you just go from there. So it is more difficult, I think, to evaluate defensemen, but it does create sort of a a, 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 a dividing line, I guess you could say, to say, okay, of all the of all the forwards that I've seen, where will I, where am I going to start with a defenseman? Where am I going to look at taking a defenseman? And it's like, okay, well, after, like, for example, if I'm looking at Jonathan Lekaramaki and Yuri Kulik, I, I look at Jonathan Lekaramaki and go, okay, there's a really good finisher there, incredible shooter, uh, might not be much else there, so maybe a late first round pick and, and you put him on a power play and maybe he's a, he's a middle six scoring contributor that you wish you got more out of, but there's potential for more, for sure. Um, and then you've got Yuri Kulik, where I'm going, okay, Pretty responsible 200-foot guy. Got some flashes of skill. There's lots to like. Nothing to really hate that much. And and he'll be as good as he is strong. But then I'm looking at the list and going, okay, but then you've got Owen Pickering. Pickering has a huge ceiling. It's just not quite there yet. So Lakaramaki, you can tell the role he could fit. Uh, You could tell that he's got a fit there. But then you but i could see a world where pickering turns out to be the better player but also like it's 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 kind of hard uh, it's kind of just sort of a you put him in groups and just sort of go from there and again like if someone really wanted Owen pickering over a noah osland or jonathan lakaramaki or even a danili yurov i am open to that discussion it's just a very optimistic read on where pickering could be 
So it's it's hard to say. Um and I almost I almost think about forwards and defensemen like entirely separately. And then it's like, okay, forwards and then where 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 does it where does a defenseman come in based on what I've seen of them now? Where is that dividing line? And then go from there, right? And then and then just work my way down the list. It's it's easier to to do in reality than explain. Um which makes sense. It's a great question. Um because it is almost like a different different game evaluating defensemen and forwards in my view why do you think so many of your fans are so hell-bent on knowing what you think of joshua because he's scoring a lot of points uh and montreal canadians fans really want someone to tell them that they stole someone in the fifth round or wherever he went uh which team in the pacific has the best prospect pool right now um which uh which team is in the pacific has the best prospect pool probably la San Jose is also very close. San Jose and LA are probably battling that one out. And, oh, they're all really good. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go San Jose, LA, and Anaheim, but they're like top five in the league. Like, they're all really, really good looking so far. By the way, sending my best to Olin Zellweger in his recovery. Oh, also, I want to shout out Eve Gascon, who I don't think I've talked about since she played. I don't think I've done a stream since she played, but she's been playing in the QMJHL here and there. I think she won a game. Congratulations to her. That's amazing. What an achievement. Amazing. Uh, what do you like about Jagger Furcus other than his name? I like him a lot. Would have to watch him more, but he seems to find a way to make defenders just forget about him. Yeah, I like Jagger Furcus. I wonder how his offense translates to the NHL. He's pretty slender and small and gets muscled around a lot. Um, but he's got an unreal release. Like, he just finds ways to get the puck off really quickly. Um, really good playmaker as well. Like, a good dual threat offensive guy. Um, I've been meaning to circle back on him again. Um, but I, I mean, I think he's one of these guys where in the mid to late first, like if you want a guy who can score, pick him and see what happens. You know, like he could be a guy that scores a lot in the AHL and struggles to score in the NHL. I think that's reasonable, but it's worth taking a swing on a guy with that kind of offensive upside, um, and seeing what happens if, it, you know, even if it means that he doesn't quite work out if you're like a contending team, because if you're a contending team and it does work out, You've got, uh, in my view, maybe a second-line scoring guy or a good offensive third-line guy that can, can can add some offense to your third line. Uh, did you see Beniers' beautiful pass for his first NHL point a couple nights ago? Yes, I did. I've I've been watching Matty Beniers uh, again, and after watching him and Owen Power in their first game, I know it's just their first game, I'm still taking Beniers. I love that kid. I think he plays a wonderful game of hockey. Uh, really, really excited for what he can do. Uh, why is Nemec so low for you? Uh, okay, so, I mean, I don't think he's ranked that low. He's at 11. And if you wanted him over Mishar, Kamel, even Casey, I wouldn't throw a fit. Um, but why is he so low? I don't really like his defensive game for a defender. He's pretty passive. He's gotten better over the year in that regard. Um, really, really good puck carrier. Like, moving up the ice, he, he's got good edges. He can evade defenders. If he, if he reads that there's a challenge coming, he can evade defenders really well, but I don't, I, th I, I don't think the skill level is, is good enough right now for him to be like what he is as, as he is now in the NHL. Um, I mean, I hear people talking about how well he can shoot the puck. I haven't seen that myself. Um, you know, I think he could be a perfectly reasonable offensive puck carrying quarterback for a team somewhere. Um, but I think, you know, like people are talking about like top pair upside and I think that's a little bit much, but for me, the range from, I'd say eight to 13 or 
14 or so is like really, really, really close. Uh, so it's really splitting hairs at that point. Um, I, 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 I kind of like Meshar's skating a little more. I like Meshar's sort of view of the offensive zone and, and ability to make plays a little bit more. But Nemich is a really good defender uh, in terms of like offensive puck quarterback, puck carrying sort of instincts. It's just going to be a matter of getting better to sort of drive those results in the NHL. Because right now, I think it's somewhat questionable. And I know he's been having a really good playoff. I'm, I'm well aware. I, I know. Um, but I've seen him a lot. And some games have been very good. Um, and I, I like him. Uh, but there's just other guys that I think I, I like more. Like it's, it's, it's once you get, once you get past like three or four in this year's draft for me, it's just like, I don't know, like we, you pick whoever is falling, right. And Nemich, if he, if he's a guy that you want at, at six or seven, like we can talk for sure. I'm not going to scream and cry. You could probably get Gleb Trikazov later anyway. So whatever. Um, and I'm not the biggest fan of Kamel. I'm not the biggest fan of Meshar. The thing about Nemich is like, yes, he's good right now where he is in the Slovakian league. But where is he going to be in five years, right? Like, is how much of a needle mover is he going to be in the in the NHL? Because his defensive game, I find, is kind of hit or miss. Um, literally, his offensive transition in his offensive transition data when he's passing the puck is brutal. Um, but 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 carrying it is much better. So it's kind of he's almost kind of like a less good defensive version of Simon Edmondson, kind of. And I'm okay with that, but. I'm also not willing to anoint him as like a top three player in this year's draft uh, right now. Uh, where is Gendon ranked? He's been going crazy in the second half. I honestly have not seen Cedric Gendon play in a long time. Every time I've seen him play, I see him as maybe a good junior player. I, I haven't seen like a huge upside guy, uh, but maybe I should go check him out again. Uh, do you think it would make sense for teams to have more specialized scouting teams? For example, a scouting team for D, forwards and goalies, maybe one for top rounds and later rounds. No, uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, ugh. um, I think, I think that what makes sense for me, excuse me, long weekend. I think that what would make sense for me as a scouting team is you have your boots on the ground guys and your video guys and the boots on the ground guys are there for information gathering. I shouldn't say guys, the information gathering people are there for gathering information so interviewing the players getting a psychological profile talking to the coaches talking to the teammates getting a ground level understanding of what this player is like as a person and as a player all that stuff seeing them in person sure fine whatever it's great the the but the but the bulk of the team would just be data and video people just grinding through understanding as much as they possibly can about every single player that's out there never turning a never turning a never a stone unturned just just go 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 end up with just a giant list uh of of guys that you've looked at and done some data work on and and, and got a firm understanding of their impact on the ice cross-referencing that with what the boots on the ground is gra- is grabbing uh yeah cross-referencing with the boots on the ground that are gathering all that information and i could see uh i could i could see that being a thing uh, that, that would work because I feel like when you fragment things more and say, well, defense and goalies and, and forwards, you end up with like wars, right? Because it's like, well, if the defense guys are familiar with defense and the forward guys are familiar with forwards, how do you square that circle? Right? Like one, when would one player be worth more than the next? 
if everyone's just been focusing on strictly one position. Um, so I think it's more reasonable to sort of, and it's, I, I, it's why I personally don't agree with like regional scouting because putting all those things together to end up with, you know, it's, it's hard to be on an even playing field when you are not nearly as familiar with a bunch of the players that aren't in that group, but it's a, a lot easier when you have a number of people who have seen all of these guys when they're sitting at home or sitting on their computer watching game after game after game after game and crossing the entire planet watching these players. And then you can sort of have a much easier discussion about who you would rather have on your team and then use the information gathering guys, uh, which is a different team to sort of, you know, trim the fat, so to speak. Um, I would think about having specific people for goaltending. I think that's perfectly reasonable uh, because goaltending is a completely different discipline in my view. It's a completely different ball game and I don't know anything about it. So I'll let someone else do it for me. Um, uh, thoughts on Bordalo and Brisson's pro debut? Yes, uh, I only saw Bordalo a little bit. None of Brisson. I really liked Bordalo. He looked great. Brisson, I can't comment on. What is Kevin Korchinski's expected potential? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I could see him like I see Kevin Korchinski very much like kind of a Jake Gardner type guy. Top four offensive guy. You wish you got more defensively out of him, but you like the offense. Really good puck carrier. Uh, lots to like, um, but yeah, something along those lines. And so maybe a top four guy. Logan Morrison is six months older than Mason McTavish, putting up a higher points per game than Shane Wright is now, while physical and solid defensively. Would he be a dark horse late first round overage pick? Well, uh, whoop, excuse me, that squeaked out. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm not super sold on Logan Morrison. I remember tracking him a couple years ago, um, Yes, his defensive game is kind of good. I believe he's playing with McTavish. So yeah, he's going to score a lot. Um, I don't know. I don't I don't know how I feel about drafting D plus two OHL guys um, because you could just sign them later. Like Mikey Milne, I just have been told that he's going to get drafted. Um, and I think he's good enough with the skill and the pace. Like I liked him enough to rank him last year. So he's still on my list this year. Logan Morrison, I don't think I ever had him ranked. Um, maybe I'll check him out, but yeah, I, I'm always wary of drafting D plus two CHL guys because they go right into the AHL and pick, you said first round pick. Like I don't like, I don't know. The only time that has ever happened and worked out is Tanner Pearson. And that's once. Um, and I don't think Logan Morrison, like if Logan Morrison were at that level, I feel like someone would be saying it by now. Like someone would. I haven't seen a ton of him this year, but when I have, I think he's a good OHLer, right? Like he's a good OHL hockey player. Maybe there's an NHL contract waiting for him afterwards. Uh, if he goes undrafted again, or maybe he gets a late round pick, you know, like I'm sure worse players could be drafted in the late rounds than Logan Morrison, but I haven't been really blown away with his game so much. Like I have with a guy like Mikey Milne where I'm going, I want to draft this guy right effing now, uh, or draft or this guy should be drafted and probably will. Do you have a favorite angle to watch games? Corner, behind the net, center ice. Um, I like bird's eye views. Zoomed out, uh, right down center ice. I, I don't like corner cams, behind the net. I do like doing a camera above the net and um, viewing the, the offensive zone from there. Uh, I, I think that's pretty cool. I shouldn't say offensive zone. Viewing the zone from there because it could be one team's offensive, one team's defensive zone. But I, I like those angles. Um, those are fun. They don't do them very much. But I do really, really like just zoomed out, 
you know, zoomed out high up center ice cam. It's my favorite. Goalies seem to be getting split. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I basically answered your question there with goalies getting split up. Yes. Have CHL streams improved their video quality recently? Some are better. Some are not. <laughs> um, with that, I believe that'll be it for tonight, folks. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Um, so uh, there are scouting reports coming. If you want to see them now, you can sign up on Patreon. Any tier gets access to them and exclusive written reports uh, and the Discord server at $5 and up. You'll also get uh, player cards and stuff that you can make with my track data, which is pretty neat. Um, so check that out if you haven't at patreon.com slash scouching. You can also get 10% off of Marcus Gustafson's Blue Line Hockey IQ program with code scouching, all lowercase. Uh, check out McKean's Hockey because my reports will also be there as well. And also some video team stuff's coming uh, there. So stay tuned to YouTube. There will be videos here in the next week. Um, and uh, we'll see you on another time. Uh, thank you very much for joining me again. I appreciate the patience uh, with me not being here last week, but I will be here next week. So we'll see you then. Uh, have a lovely evening 